Hello, this is Father Jeremiah, and this is a podcast on question number four on the questions of Jesus. Do you believe in the Son of Man? A reading from the Gospel according to John. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who speaks to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. In my life, I would have to say that my father is really my hero. And the reason why I say that is because my father, his whole life is a life of faith. If I could sum up my dad's, the theme of my dad's life, it would be the story of a life of faith. My dad has not had, by any means, an easy life. When he was in junior high and high school, he was oftentimes bullied by kids, so much that he ended up dropping out of high school because the the bullying was just so intense. And he ended up getting drafted into the army and then sent over to Vietnam, where he was shot and wounded in the arm. And my dad spent a year and a half recovering from those wounds he received in Vietnam. And when he came back to the United States, really for the rest of his life, he was never able to get a good job because of his disability, because of the fact that he really could only use one arm. And so all of his life, he had to work these very difficult low-paying jobs, oftentimes having to work third shift, working all night. And he was just never able to really, really achieve any material success. And then my mother, who's his wife, ended up getting sick with Alzheimer's disease and spent the last 15 years of her life in a nursing home. And my father had to watch it all happen and to go through it. And yet, through all of the trials that my dad has been through, through all of the difficult circumstances he has faced, my father has always been a man who prays. I remember when I was young, I would oftentimes walk past my parents' room And I would often see my dad there in his room praying, sometimes on his knees, other times sitting in a chair, looking at a crucifix and praying. Even to this day when I'm at home and in the morning when I, sometimes when I come out of my room, my dad will be there in the living room, sitting before a crucifix and oftentimes an image of Our Lady, oftentimes with a rosary in his hand, praying. Also, my dad, 
has always been a man in whom the mass is extremely important. Never would he ever miss mass on Sunday. We never missed mass when I was a child. And in fact, my dad, for most of his life, would often go to daily mass. No matter how difficult the circumstances, he was always at mass. And I would oftentimes always see my dad reading the Bible. My father is by no means a scholar or a great intellectual, but he would oftentimes read the Bible and be nourished by God's Word. And what all of this revealed to me, both when I was young and even now that I'm older, what it revealed to me was that for my dad, God was not an idea. God was not a possibility. But that God was reality itself. God was someone who my dad was in relationship with. God was someone who spoke to my father. God was someone who gave my father hope, strength, and a vision to see beyond his circumstances to something more. St. Paul says so beautifully in 2 Corinthians, he says, We walk by faith, not by sight. I think that verse sums up my dad's life. That my dad is a man who walks by faith, not by sight. Jesus' question Do you believe in the Son of Man? Is a question about faith. Not just about faith in God, which at times can be a bit abstract, but about faith in Him, faith in Jesus. Jesus uses this interesting phrase, the Son of Man. And we could do a whole podcast on that phrase alone. But basically, this phrase, the Son of Man, is a phrase that Jesus will oftentimes use throughout his ministry, referring to himself. And basically, it is a messianic title that's found in the book of Daniel, chapter 7. And Jesus is using this title on purpose. Jesus is pointing to himself as the Messiah. And this is why he uses this phrase to the Jews, because the Jews will know that when Jesus says the Son of Man, he is referring to this messianic title that is given in the book of Daniel. And so Jesus uses this title on purpose because he wants everybody to know who he is. He wants everyone to know that he is not just another teacher, another rabbi, or even another prophet. Hence he asked, 
Do you believe in the Son of Man? In other words, do you believe that Jesus is the Savior? Do you believe that he is the Messiah? That he is God? In some sense, this is really the goal of the New Testament. It's really the the goal of Jesus, his life, his teachings, and his miracles. All of that is intended to lead us to faith in him. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one he sent. Jesus desires personal faith in him. Later on in the Gospel of John, he says, Believe in God. Believe also in me. What does it mean to have faith in Jesus? What is the faith that Jesus desires of us. In short, I believe that it means total abandonment to him. Faith in Jesus means that he and he alone is the center, he is the source, and he is the meaning of my life. He becomes everything, while everything else becomes second. It means essentially that my past, my present, my future, my mind, my body, and my soul belong to someone else. Faith in Jesus means I willingly give my entire self to him. In the Acts of the Apostles, it says that it was in Antioch that the disciples disciples were first called Christians. Why is that significant? Well, the people that the disciples were preaching to, who were mostly Jews, and the disciples themselves were Jews, but the people they were preaching to realized that there was something different about their message. That these Jews were not preaching ordinary Judaism. What was different about their message was that they were preaching Christ. They were preaching Jesus Christ as their life, as the source of their hope. They were preaching Jesus Christ as risen from the dead. Hence, they begin to call them Christians. People were identifying Christ 
with their lives. In some sense, we might ask, you know, is this a bit extreme? What is the difference between Jesus and some of the dictators of the last century? Because both are demanding allegiance. The difference is, and Pope Francis says this so beautifully in his first encyclical letter, he writes, Christian faith is thus faith in a perfect love. Jesus is love itself. Jesus is mercy itself. Jesus is truth. Faith in him is what the human heart longs for. It is what the human heart has been waiting for. But this fulfillment that occurs through faith in Jesus only happens when we step out of ourselves to meet him who is waiting for us. It means, in a sense, that we have to step out of our comfort zone, of our security, to meet the one who is comfort and who is security itself. Right now, Jesus is whispering into the depths of our heart, inviting us to come to him not forcing himself, not forcing his ways upon us, but simply inviting us to follow him. After I graduated high school, I spent about four months driving across the country with two of my friends. We basically lived in my car and camped at night and got a hotel every couple of nights, and drove across the country for four months. And it was during this time where <clears throat> I was not a practicing Christian, I was not a practicing Catholic at all, but about halfway through the trip, I was in New Mexico, we were in New Mexico, and I remember at night having this beautiful experience of God. And what that experience was, was basically through beauty. I was so overwhelmed by literally just how beautiful the area in New Mexico that we were at was, that I had this overwhelming sense of the presence of God. And I became convinced that God existed from that moment on. And when I came home, I began reading different world religions, different philosophies, things. But it wasn't until I began reading the Gospels, when I really started reading about Jesus, that my life began to change. Because I recognized that there was something different about Jesus than all the other people I was reading about. And at first, I took small steps towards him. 
know, I came back to confession, started going back to Mass. But there was still a part of me that wanted to hold on to certain parts of my life that were not good, that were not healthy, that were not holy. In some sense, I wanted to be a Christian, but I still wanted to live like a teenager, like a immature child. And it wasn't really until I broke from those ways, from those behaviors and, and attitudes, when I really surrendered everything to Jesus, that I experienced his joy. And I experienced this peace that comes from abandoning oneself to him. And I realized at that moment that faith in Jesus meant a gift of my entire self. It meant total abandonment to him. That faith in Jesus was not a part-time job. Now, obviously, we all struggle in this area. And I'm not saying that we have to be perfect to experience Jesus. Of course not. We will always have this tension. We will always have these struggles in our life. But the point is, is that Jesus wants all of us. Not just a half, or not just a quarter, but our, but our entire selves. And it is only when we give him our entire selves, or at least when we are trying, praying for the grace to give our entire selves to him, where we can come to this deep knowledge, this deep experience of him, that goes beyond theory. The ironic thing about faith in Jesus is that it is exactly what we need. In a sense, Jesus doesn't need our faith. If we believe in him or not, Jesus is still going to be God. Jesus doesn't need our faith, but we need our faith in Jesus. Because without it, our humanity is incomplete. John, John Paul II once wrote that the truth of Christian revelation found in Jesus of Nazareth enables all men and women to embrace the mystery of their own life. Faith in Jesus is a light into our own depths, into our own mystery as human beings. Jesus tells us, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It is through this faith in Jesus, this abandonment to him, that I can perceive 
my purpose in life, where I can perceive my destiny, where it is that I'm going, and the meaning of my life. Because without Him, there are no real and sustaining answers to these very important and beautiful questions about the human person. In this past year or so, I've had the privilege to either uh, preach or actually do the wedding mass of some different friends of mine who have gotten married. <clears throat> and each one of them has been almost the, in a sense, quote unquote, perfect couple. Every one of them has their eyes on Jesus. They're, they're practicing Catholics and they're, they love the Lord and they understand what marriage really is. And it's, in some sense, it's been almost perfect. And I'm, I'm preaching to the choir when, I, when I'm there with them. But one thing that I've told them all, both individually and together as a couple, is that, you know, Jesus will make all the difference in your marriage. Jesus will make a good marriage great. Why do I say that? Does that mean that if you have Jesus in your marriage, that your marriage is going to be perfect, that you're never going to fight or never going to struggle or anything like that? Well, of course not. That's not at all what I'm saying. But when two people who are in a relationship together have their eyes on Jesus, they see a much bigger picture than just their own. Because in a marriage, if two people are not focused on him, what often happens is they focus on each other and they set unrealistic expectations of the other. They become jealous or insecure or angry because this other person cannot fulfill them the only way God can. And so that is why I say to these couples, you know, Jesus will make all the difference in your marriage because he pulls us out of our inherent selfishness. He brings healings. He brings healing to our insecurities. And he quiets our fears. And he enables us to love others correctly. This does not mean, of course, that faith is like a magic pill that we just take and everything's going to be all right. Of course not. Because faith is a struggle. It is a battle. And so the important question, the important concern then is, how do I grow in faith? And there are some pretty obvious answers that I've mentioned in some of these other podcasts, but many other people have written about them and spoken about them. And some of the obvious ways that I grow in faith is through prayer, is through the sacraments, through spiritual reading, through works of mercy and working with the poor. Why? Because it is in all, in all those things 
Jesus is there, and I meet him there. But another possibility that I'd like to speak about, and how do I grow in faith, is openness. How open am I to Jesus right now? How willing am I to be led by him to something else or to somewhere else? Or do I have my life already planned out and my relationship with God then merely becomes him confirming all of my plans and all of my ideas. Every Sunday, we go to Mass and we hear the Gospel read. The Gospel is the good news. The good news of God's love for us that is fully revealed in Jesus Christ. But, It is also challenging news. It is also the demanding news. And it is the oftentimes uncomfortable news. Jesus is demanding because he loves us and because he wants us to grow. He wants us to become the people he has destined us to be from the beginning of time. And so the question is, are we open to this growth? Which is what the gospel really is all about. If Mass on Sunday is merely an obligation, if we're just going to Mass simply to kind of check it off our box and to be on God's good side, We're simply not going to grow. We are going to remain our same boring selves. But if we listen to the gospel as if it were the most important words ever written, which it is, and we act on that word, if we trust that word, And if we allow it to be the most influential voice in our life, faith will increase. Our life will change. Listen to what Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke. He says, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation upon rock. When a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But he who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation against which the stream broke And immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. You think about it, the saints were people who had 
an incredible openness to Jesus. When St. Anthony of the desert heard the gospel one morning at Mass, he sold everything that he owned and he moved out into the desert to become a hermit. And shortly after, hundreds of people would follow him to the desert. And he began this entire new movement in the church of monastic life, and the eremitical life, all because one person was open to the gospel. A similar thing happened with St. Francis. He heard the gospel being read, and he too gave away everything that he owned and began to work with the lepers, with the people whom society wanted to have nothing to do with. Both of them, St. Anthony and St. Francis, were open to the gospel, changing their lives. And that is why they are saints. For most of us, Jesus is not asking us to sell everything and move out into the desert or to sell everything and go work with lepers. But would you be open to it if he was? Or do you already have your life planned out? The question, do you believe in the Son of Man, has the potential to be a life-changing question because it is a question about faith. And in this world, where there is this thin veil that separates us between heaven and earth, faith is the guaranteed way to God. The letter to the Hebrews says so beautifully, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I'm sure that if somebody wants to learn about the ocean, that at first it might be good to sit back and admire the ocean from the beach. There would definitely be a certain knowledge and a certain intimacy that can occur with the ocean. But if we really want to know what the ocean is like, we have to get in and swim. And it's similar to God. We just can't sit back and admire God from the shore if we really want to experience Him. We have to jump in and swim. Faith is the way that we swim to God. And we meet Him through faith in a much more profound way than we ever could by simply sitting back on the shore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
Amen.